Welcome to another Alive at Springwood podcast, brought to you by Springwood Presbyterian Churches, where we don't believe churches are buildings. Churches are people. Disciples of Jesus bound together in diversity by God's love, while pursuing faithfulness and vulnerability, celebration and lament, reading the Bible and prayer. May you be encouraged and God glorified by this edition. Well, keep your Bibles open to Ezra 7 as we look at God's Word together. Uh, From exiled lockdown to the normal promised land. I don't know about you, but and how you're feeling in the middle of the pandemic. I think for me it's been difficult because I'm stuck between mundane ordinary and uncontrollable extraordinary. Let me explain that a little. On the one hand, I'm stuck in a loop of mundane ordinary. Every day is Groundhog Day, the alarm rings, I brush my teeth, I get dressed, I put on my top half, since all my meetings are online, I have my um, pyjama bottoms on, and um, I um, make a cup of tea, sit at my desk, read, call a couple of people and work. That's been the same for the last six weeks. But on the other hand, I'm being, I'm stuck because there's a pandemic that's an uncontrolled, uncontrollable extraordinary. We have cases spiking, we have unknown transmissions, we have mass, we had mass rallies, and we have hotspots all over the place. We're stuck. We can't win. Ordinariness drains our life. Uncontrollable extraordinariness overwhelms our lives. How do we find something life-giving in this time? Where is the bouquet of flowers, the surprise gift, the letter in the post box that will just make this stable instability a little bit more livable? Well, in the book of Ezra, we see a very similar thing happening. God's people are stuck between the ordinary and the extraordinary. God's people are stuck stuck uh, from having been in lockdown in the exile, and now they are in the unknownness of the promised land. And we're going to find out how God is going to lead his people in the stable instability. Well, why don't we pray as we open God's word together and hear what God has to say. Why don't you pray with me? God of lockdowns and pandemics, you are in the middle of everyday mundane boredom and extraordinary stresses. You are in the middle of clear skies and dark storms. Lord, shine a light into our lockdown and pandemic so that we, your people, can continue to find life in a time of drained life, we pray. Amen. 
Well, we're continuing our series going through the whole book of the Bible in a year. And now we're up to a part of the Bible where God's people have come out of exile and back in to the promised land. They've come out of a lockdown and back into normal life. But for some who are going into the promised land, have a think about it because some exile was actually their normal. For a whole group of Jews, they were born in exile in those 70 years. They grew up there. Babylon was their bread and butter. The Babylonian sun and the Babylonian earth was what they knew. So going into the promised land is not returning. It's a completely new journey for them. They are like the generation that is leaving Egypt with no idea what's ahead except for the stories that their parents told them. They are heading into the unknown. For others who were the first generation who came out of uh, Jerusalem and, and Israel and into Babylon, Babylon was their exile and it was never their normal. They were the first generation that were torn away. Babylon was strange. The Babylonian sun was different on their backs. The Babylonian earth felt different on their feet. Going back to the promised land was returning, yes, but then they were also heading into the unknown. What is the promised land going to be like? The temple was torn down. Will it be the same again? We might be thinking they are heading back, but there's no normal. They are also like the, the other generation heading into the unknown. Now, although three millennia has passed, I think we are very much like God's people in the book of Ezra. What is normal after the pandemic? Now, we might have been grown used to the lockdown and then we have tasted a bit of the freedom and now we're back. Can we ever return to the old normal? What is the new normal? What is the unknown we're entering as we head into another two, three, four, five weeks of lockdown? Predictable unpredictability. Unpredictable predictability. Then comes something like a vase of flowers. The smell of cinnamon cookies in the oven in the shape of a person. Have a look with me, Ezra 7, verse 1. Now, after the, these things, and these things are what happened in Ezra 6, uh, which was uh, the people of God celebrated Passover. After having these things, during the reign of Artaxerxes, king of Persia, Ezra, the son of Sariah, the son of Azariah, and the son of Hilkiah. And then if we skip down that genealogy, we get to verse 5. The son of Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, and the son of Aaron, the chief priest. This Ezra came up 
from Babylon. He was a teacher, a scribe, well-versed in the law of Moses, which Yahweh, the God of Israel, had given him. And the king granted him all that he asked, for the hand of Yahweh, his God, was on him. The person we get introduced to at the start of chapter 7 is a son of Aaron, the priest who, when God's people first came out of Egypt, was the chief priest. It's like the book is telling us that Ezra is a new Aaron. When God's people is now coming out of a new exodus from exile, the new Aaron is leading them. And it's as if the book is telling the audience of Ezra, probably second and third generation returnees, that you who have come back, you are inheritors of the biblical narrative. You are part of the people of God and their story. You are the same people who generations ago God took out of Exodus because just as Aaron was a priest then, a son of Aaron is also your priest now in the shape of Ezra. And notice what the writer concentrates on when they describe Ezra. The writer doesn't concentrate on Ezra's strength or his wisdom or his power or his rhetoric. What does he concentrate on? Verse 6. This Ezra came up from Babylon and he was a teacher or a scribe, well versed or skilled with the Torah of Moses. He was skilled well-versed with the fundamental five books of God's people. The DNA, the constitution, the life-giving word of God, which, which we looked at at the start of the year. Who does God send into the unknown to guide his people through the unknown? Someone who is well-versed in God's Word. There's something foreign about that, isn't it? Isn't there? I don't know about you, but when I am frustrated, when I am facing the unknown, when I need help, I pray. And partially what I'm expecting God to do is come down in a bolt of lightning and make things right. Or I'm expecting that a voice would come down from the heavens and say to me, Sam, in your indecision, choose option A, because option A is going to be best for you. What does God need in their time? Someone who is skilled with God's word. Someone who's skilled in the foundations. Someone who knows the core of what it means to be God's people. And being skilled, being well-versed in verse 6 is not just about knowing. Because the Hebrew word for skilled or well-versed here is more than just head knowledge. It's got images of 
experience, learnedness, more like a craft than a knowledge. It's like woodwork. I don't know if you do woodwork. You can. I do woodwork.、Um, I can know a lot about the property of timber and the property of tools. I can know which hardwood has coarse grain and the moisture content of different woods. I can tell you that tools are made of high-speed tungsten steel and the yielding points of some metals. But at the end of the day, I can know all these things and be completely clueless as to how to put chisel to timber and potentially cut myself. Or it's like cooking. I can know that tomato is a fruit and not a vegetable. I can tell you the boiling point of water. I can tell you that the osobuco cut is a cross-cut shank, and that kangaroo meat is lean and low in fat. But at the end of the day, I can know all these things and be completely clueless as to whether being a fruit, tomatoes should go into a fruit salad, or at what temperature I should put crab into water, or how long to cook kangaroo. Ezra is skilled. Not only in knowledge, but someone who is well versed in practice, experience of the word of God. Have a look again in verse ten at how Ezra is described. Verse ten: Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of. Yahweh, or in the Hebrew, he has set his heart to study and to do it, and then he teaches it the statutes and rules in Israel. To be skilled is not only to know, but to study it, to have your heart in it, to inquire, to dig deep. And it's not only to study it, but to do it, to observe it, to have wisdom, to wield it, to apply it, to sift it, to boil it, and to bake cookies out of it. And it's the skill of not only those two things, but of teaching it, handing it on, sharing it, and equipping others. In the middle of our, in the middle of a stressful unknown, God sends someone skilled in His Word to guide His people. In the middle of our stressful unknown, God sends someone skilled in His Word to guide His people. How much I wonder, do you know God's book? Is it tattooed in your hearts and imprinted in your mind? Is it coursing through your veins like a vaccine and driving your actions? John Wesley, hymn writer and revivalist, claimed, "I want to know one thing: the way to heaven, how to land safe on that happy shore." God has written it down in a book. Oh, give me that book at any price. Give me the book of God. I have it. Here is knowledge enough for me.
let me be homo unius libri, a man of one book. Now, I think Wesley is a little bit too heaven-minded because the word of God doesn't only tell you how to get to heaven when you immerse yourself into it. God's word tells God's people, guides God's people in the here and the now. Because being God's people isn't just about this pie in the sky when you die. It's the steak on the plate while you wait. God's word is to guide God's people in the lockdown and pandemics, in isolation and in community. It is the bouquet of flowers, the surprise gift the letter in the post box that we have right in front of us that will breathe life into this stable instability. One of my friends, who's the brother of a previous minister at Springwood Prezi, told me that when he was a pastor a long, long time ago, he was sent out to the country. He was this 20-year-old Asian minister with long black hair and ripped jeans sent in the whoop-whoop, in the middle of whoop-whoop in a Presbyterian church. He remembers visiting uh, people in his congregation who hadn't had a pastor for a very long time. Two elderly ladies invited him to their home and was so excited to see him because when my friend David asked why, the ladies replied, it's because we haven't read the Bible for years. Only the minister can read the Bible for us. They pointed up to the top of their bookshelf, which had a glass cabinet, and in there was a Bible, pristine and untouched. So David, what did he do? He took the Word of God from the shelf, took it down, opened it, and read them the Bible every week. He also started helping them to read the Bible themselves, that God communicates with them, that It's helpful to have a minister to read the Bible with you, but you don't necessarily need a minister there to read the Bible for you because you have the Spirit of God within you. Eugene Peterson writes, This may be the most important thing to know as we come to read and study and believe these holy scriptures. This rich alive, personally revealing God as experienced in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, personally addressing us in whatever circumstance we find ourselves, at whatever age we are, in whatever state we are, Christian reading of God's Word is participatory reading. Receiving the words in such a way that they become interior to our lives. The rhythms, the images, becoming practices of prayer, acts of obedience, ways of life. That's why he says, eat this book. It will be sweet as honey in your mouth, but it will be bitter for your stomachs. You can't reduce this book to what you can handle. You can't domesticate God's word to what you are comfortable with. 
You can't make it a toy poodle trained to respond to your commands. In the middle of our stressful unknown, God sends someone skilled in his word to guide his people. Perhaps we could even say that in the middle of our stressful unknown, God sends his word to live in the midst of his people. Because another Ezra, another scribe and another community builder wrote that the word of God became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. This was the person Jesus, the Messiah. No one has ever seen God, not so much as a glimpse, but this one of a kind God expression who exists at the very heart of the Father, has been made plain to us on this day. The Word of God made flesh speaks to us through the Spirit of God inside us, by the Word of God in front of us. So why don't you open that glass cabinet? Why don't you pick up that book? Why don't you... Blow off the dust and start eating it. What does the word of God say to us this morning in the middle of certain uncertainties? Well, I want to quickly finish with four points, quick sentences that we find in verse 27. Because just as Ezra is heading into Jerusalem, into the unknown, he declares, verse 27, Praise be to Yahweh, the God of our fathers, who has put it into the king's heart to bring honor to the house of Yahweh in Jerusalem in this way, and who (coughs) has extended his good favor to me before the king and his advisors and all the king's powerful officials. Because the hand of Yahweh, my God, was on me, I took courage and gathered leading men from Israel to go up with me. Four things we can learn. Number one, Ezra points out that God is in control because he is the God of the past, their ancestors, and the God of their present. This same God of Ezra is the same God who is in control in pre-COVID past, and in the present of pandemic times. Number two, Ezra tells his, recognizes that God is in control. God will guide Ezra and God's people in these uncertain times. This same God of Ezra is our God who is in control in guiding us in uncertain times. Number three, God is in control 
and he's in control by guiding the authorities in Ezra's time to do what is good. This same God of Ezra is the same God who is in control in guiding our authorities to do what is good. And finally, because God is in control in all these things, Ezra takes courage to do his role in his life. This same God who is in control tells us, brothers and sisters, to take courage to do God's work that he has called and placed you to do right now in this life. So listen to his word. Read it, eat it, devour it, and find him in the mundane ordinary and the uncomfortable extraordinary. Let's pray. Father God, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Enlighten our path. Son of God, you are the very word in the flesh. Bring light to our world. Spirit of God, shine into our hearts. Enlighten our eyes, our minds, and our hands. And may the Father, the Son, and the Spirit be with us all. Speak to us, guide us in the unknown, we pray. Amen.